Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Andy Murphy. Robots are common in industrial settings like car and textile factories, and they are increasingly making their way into our home and office lives as well. Today we'll look at robotics as a way to educate people and to recruit and inspire Native students who have an interest in science and technology studies. We'll hear about how robots are currently helping our daily lives and the promise they hold for teaching indigenous language and culture. We'll be back right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues began Monday in New York and continues through next week. Canadian delegates have not wasted any time drawing attention to their top concerns, as Dan Karpinchuk reports. The theme of this 22nd session of the Indigenous Issues Forum is Indigenous Peoples, Human Health, Planetary and Territorial Health and Climate Change, a rights-based approach. Dozens of native Inuit and Métis delegates are in attendance, including the National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, Roseanne Archibald. Several native leaders talked about land rights, insisting that Canada's laws have criminalized indigenous defenders of the land who have protested against resource projects on their lands. Judy Wilson is a former British Columbia chief. So when the uh, title and rights of the Indigenous people are perceived to be in conflict with the assumed national interest or the agenda or priorities of Crown government that often align with corporate interests, uh, the title and rights of Indigenous peoples are repeatedly infringed and violated. And Ali Baer, a vice chief from Saskatchewan's Federation of Indigenous Sovereign Nations, says it's time that the 231 calls for justice from the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls inquiry be implemented. Bear says Native leaders are calling on governments to take the issue seriously because there needs to be an end to it. Others said women and girls are at the forefront of defending Mother Earth and their safety must be ensured. The forum is an advisory body to the UN with a mandate to deal with Indigenous issues related to economic and social development, culture, the environment, education, health and human rights. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. North Dakota's new poet laureate, Dr. Denise Lajamadir, is the first Native American to hold the position. She says she's honored to represent her tribe, the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa. In an interview shortly after learning about her appointment this month, she told Prairie Public Radio that one of the things she'd like to do is work with Native students across the state. You know, I didn't have a mentor growing up in, this, in high school. This would be in the late 60s. I graduated in 69. Uh, so I hope to be that mentor and that role model for uh, for Native students. Um, so, yeah, I hope to reach out to community groups, uh, just uh, promote and encourage appreciation of poetry. Much of her work focuses on Native issues, including poems that are narrative style about her life in North Dakota as a Native person. Laja Madir is a co-founder of the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition and has shared stories about Northern Plains boarding school survivors in a book. She's currently working on a novel based on her father's boarding school experience and is also working on her next book of poems. She says writing is part of her own healing process, including from racism she faced growing up. What I could no longer hold, I could put in my poems and close that journal and close that book. And it felt like they were no longer had that power over me to, you know, to harm. So I, I say that poetry helped me find my voice. 
and I've been writing ever since. The scholar and longtime educator is also a jingle dress dancer and birch bark biting artist. She'll serve as North Dakota's poet laureate for a two-year term. The St. Regis Mohawk tribe is applauding the New York Board of Regents for banning schools from using Indian mascots. The tribal council in a statement Thursday said it's pleased with the action. The council says it's much needed to move away from harmful stereotypes and cartoons of Native Americans and to recognize Native Americans as people. This week, the board decided public schools will no longer be allowed to use Indian mascots, names or imagery. The St. Regis Mohawk Tribe is encouraging officials at all levels of government to support the effort. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The Indian Arts and Crafts Board promotes Indian artists of federally recognized tribes through its online source directory. Information on this no-charge opportunity available at doi.gov IACB who support this program. Support from the Self-Governance Communication and Education Tribal Consortium presenting the 2023 Tribal Self-Governance Conference at the River Spirit Resort starting June 26th. Registration closes June 23rd at tribalselfgov.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy sitting in for Sean Spruce. 22-year-old Ojibwe inventor Danielle Boyer is getting a lot of attention for her work with robots. She works with schools to get students engaged with robotics. She established a nonprofit organization that gives away free robot uh, kits to help spur that interest in robotics. She's developed a native language robot called Scobots. Boyer's efforts are an extension of the robotics program, uh, programs in schools that build robots for competition that also helps to inspire students who are interested in science and technology. We'll speak with Danielle and other educators about robots today. We also want to hear from you. Does your school have a robotics program? Do you know how robots are used every day in your daily life? Join our conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also leave a comment on our social media pages. So joining us from San Diego in California is Danielle Boyer. She is a robotics inventor and she's Ojibwe. Welcome to Native America Calling, Danielle. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining. So uh, in the intro, I just mentioned a, a robot that helps with uh, language revitalization. Scobot is what it's called. What is Scobot and uh, what was the process like for you uh, to actually create it? Yeah, so um, my mentors and I created a robot named Scobot and it's a wearable language revitalization robot that senses motion and speaks indigenous languages. 
Um, it's really fun because it looks like a little kitty cat and was inspired by my three kitty cats. Um, but students get to wear it and decorate it in um, different regalia. Like students will sew uh, ribbon skirts for it. We have a Powell Princess Scobot. And they get to customize it and program it and wire it. And they get to learn our languages in the process. Uh, we donate them to tribal schools and they're the cutest things ever. <laughs> Right, right. Well, um, you know, I've been uh, browsing your website and looking at these scobots, but, you know, this is radio. Um, what do you mean by wearable? And, and um, uh, they, they, they do kind of look cool like a, like a kitty cat, but um, uh, like what, what uh, kind of, um, you know, like uh, shapes do they come in? Is it just like that one shape or give, give us a, um, a definite, you know, a description of these scobots and how we wear them yeah so the robots are like little friends that sit on your shoulder and they kind of look like little r2d2 shaped droids but with kitty cat ears mm -hmm. and the kids can decorate them with different uh, traditional elements uh, for example my robot wears a lot of birch bark but um mm -hmm. it's really cool because no matter where we send the robots um the kids get to customize them Awesome. And so uh, what, what kind of, uh, you know, like programming has to happen for uh, the, the students to um, like insert their language into this uh, Scobot? We actually record phrases with um, language educators and elders and the robot will play those recordings. Oh, cool. All right. All right, so um, let's go back a little bit. You um, created a nonprofit uh, organization that gives out robots for free. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this uh, organization. Yeah, so I founded an organization called the Steam Connection. It's a youth-led charity um, when I was 18 years old. Um, the focus is to provide free technical education to indigenous youth uh, through robots, through education, environmental education, language education, mental health resources, um, and we provide it to schools across Turtle Island, um, all for free. And um, our, our main focus is the robots that we invent, um, like Every Kid Gets a Robot, which is a robot that costs less than $20 and goes to our youth for free. Um, but we've reached over 600,000 kids so far, and it has been a really, really big blessing to be able to send the robots out and uh, reach our youth with resources that they really like. Okay. And what do these robots look like? What, like, what do they do? Uh, our little robots look like little uh, remote-controlled cars, and you can actually control them from your phone. Um, our students' favorite thing to do with them is battle bots them, so like crash <laughs> them into each other. Um, but it's really fun because it teaches our youth skills in uh, tech from electrical engineering to coding to um, computer-aided design in a really approachable and fun and affordable way. Okay. All right. So what got you in, interested in uh, robotics in the first place? Well, this was a long time ago. Um, I'm 22 now, but it started when I was 10 years old. Um, my little sister, Bree was uh, really interested in science and tech, but we couldn't afford the local programs. A lot of robotics teams uh, cost hundreds of dollars to participate, and that wasn't doable for us. And so um, I saw animal puppets one day at Costco, 
<laughs> and I asked my mom if I could teach an animal science class. I was like, I want to do something in science and tech, you know? And I was like, this is what I think I, I could do. And she was like, dude, you're 10 years old. What are you talking about? Um, but I ended up teaching a semester-long kindergarten class for 25 students uh, <laughs> when I was 10. It wasn't perfect yeah. by any means. It got me started, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that your mom calls you dude. <laughs> um so uh you know uh, you you have a you have a sibling right does your do you work with your sibling or how how did uh your sibling kind of inspire you to also do this yeah my little sister Bree was obsessed with robots and as I said like we just couldn't afford Mm. any programs and um what's really cool is that she's actually in college now uh starting to be an elementary school teacher and I am really, really proud of her. All right. Oh, that's cool. And uh, so what about you? Uh, what, what are you doing besides uh, making all of these robots for for uh, for kids? I actually do this full time. Mm. Um, out of San Diego, and I'm working with a bunch of tribal schools here on the West Coast. Um, I go up and down the coast all the time and bring robots in this big suitcase and uh, work with tribal schools one-on-one. Um, so yeah, I do this full time and, um, right now I'm celebrating completing a documentary for MIT Solve that's going to debut at the MIT museum in two weeks. So I'm really excited. Oh, awesome. All right. And, um, so, so you have to put in a lot of administrative work with, uh, um, you know, the, the, um, nonprofit that you run, uh, keeping track of orders and maintaining the website and giving interviews and talking to students and uh, making robots. Uh, Did you expect all of that when you first got started? When I started my work, I, I wanted to provide robots for free for students like my little sister, but I never expected that people would actually want them. I don't know why I thought that. I was you know, free robots. Everyone wants free robots. I had no idea. I didn't think people would be interested. And so um, it's a lot of work because we manufacture the robots um, and we distribute with them and we design them. So it's kind of a crazy process because we're doing everything from the ground up and we're designing things that don't exist. Mm. And I'm very lucky to have um, some amazing mentors on my team who support me and who are all indigenous leaders in their own fields. Um, but yeah, it is a lot and it's definitely a full-time job. I cannot supply nearly as many orders as we get. So it, I, uh, hope to expand in the future. Okay. All right. Uh, the steam connection, sorry about that. That's the, uh, uh, the nonprofit group we're talking about here. Um, so, uh, with, with, you know, the steam connection and this love of robots you've had for, uh, you know, the, the, um, greater part of your life, where did you find yourself as an indigenous, uh, young person in this field of technology and robots? I would say that there's not a lot of representation in this field. And so when I was getting started, I really didn't have anyone to look up to, especially in my family who was doing what I was interested in. And so it was really scary because I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't know what to pursue. And then when I got to college, I had a really difficult time. I have a learning disability and I I flunked out. I did a really bad job. And so I ended up dropping out and, um, 
I knew I was good at making things, but I didn't know exactly how. And so I was able to get my start by having mentors who guided me and who I was able to ask questions to. But it was a really, it was a really difficult start in my journey um, with robotics and, and not having those people that I could necessarily rely on at first. I eventually found them, but it took a really long time. Okay. All right. Uh, can you uh, name some names and where some of these uh, mentors came from? Yeah, so I'm going to give a shout-out to my mentor, Rob Maldonado, who is um, Taino. He has a really cool account called Virtual Flat Cad on Instagram. And um, for many years, he ran something called Cad Model of the Day, where he posted a new Cad model every day, uh, which is computer-aided design. And he taught me a lot of the skills that I know now, and I really recommend checking him out. Okay, Virtual um, Fat Cad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. All right. So we're going to go to a break in just a little bit here, but um, this is for the listeners out there. Are you interested in robotics or are your uh, um, kids, your grandkids interested in technology and uh, robotics? Um, give us a call and tell us about uh, the enthusiasm they have for technology and uh, robots and creating things. Uh, we are at one 800 996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We'll be back after this break. Denise Lajmadir is an educator, academic researcher, author, and jingle dress dancer. Now she is also the new poet laureate of North Dakota. She's the state's first Native poet to hold the position. We'll hear about her writing and other work on the next Native America Calling. Cachet. Fresh spring air is good for kids, but playing outside also counts with stings, falls, bites, scrapes, and other challenges. Learn about injury prevention at insurekidsnow.gov. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Elahqua. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. We're highlighting the work of Native people in robotics today. If you would like to, to join the conversation, we're at 1-800-996-2848. That is 1-800-99-NATIVE. Uh, let's go back to Jan uh, Danielle Boyer. Uh, she's the robotics inventor and the engine behind the STEAM connection. Uh, nonprofit group. Uh, Danielle, um, what is the definition of a robot? So I, this is how I define it to the kids. Uh, it's a machine that doesn't necessarily have to be controlled by a human, so it can operate on its own or it can do a task on its own. Okay. So what are maybe some mo uh, common robots that uh, everybody might have in their house? 
So a lot of people um, nowadays have a vacuum robot or at least know of the vacuum robot um, by iRobot. It's like a disc. And people will probably have seen viral videos of cats riding around on it. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a robot that people necessarily have, but um, a lot of people have seen Spot the Robot uh, by Boston Dynamics on YouTube. It's like a yellow dog robot. It's kind of scary. Um, it can carry whole cinder blocks. And um, I really recommend looking it up if you haven't seen it before. Um, there's robots all around us. They um, make our cars. They make our planes. Um, you even see robots now in many restaurants serving food. I've seen robots at the casinos <laughs> driving around for security. We see robots all around us. Yeah, I've seen one of those too, the uh, um, R2 D2 looking thing. Or, uh, yeah, at, at a, I think it was at a casino too. And I do have one of those like Rombas, uh, the little uh, vacuum robot that, that goes around the house. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool. I like I like using <laughs> I like using that. Um, so uh, uh, Danielle, um, what what have you heard from students and elders and teachers about your robots? I uh, get a lot of excitement from the students about the robots. Um, when I was beginning my work, I wasn't sure necessarily how it'd be received. I knew I liked robots. I knew my sister liked robots. I knew my cousins liked robots, but I wasn't sure how far that extended outwards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but taking the robot to the schools, it is amazing to see how interested they become in STEM subjects, so science and tech mostly, and um, how approachable it makes things like math and engineering skills um, And it makes the kids excited to learn it. I was really bad at math when I was younger, but building a robot is what made me interested in it and want to actually learn more, having those hands-on skills. So it's really exciting to see the kids enthusiastic, excited, asking for more responsibilities, um, designing and inventing their own robots. Um, That's so cool. That's, like, beyond my wildest imagination. It's also interesting to see how the teachers how our community members have rallied behind the robots and supported our efforts and really focused on making sure that we get these educational resources into our youth's hands. All right. And so, you know, you mentioned uh, STEM, STEAM. What's the, what's the A in uh, STEAM? So my organization is called the STEAM Connection, and STEAM stands for Science, Tech, Engineering, Art, and Math. And I think STEAM is what STEM, so Science, Tech, Engineering, Math, should be which is um, keeping our culture and our principles to the forefront of STEM. Our people were always inventors, always scientists. I think we need our youth to remember that. All right. All right. And, um, uh, you know, you're you're building, you know, thousands of these robots and and giving them to students for free. Um, When you are, uh, you know, doing the construction, you know, the the computer coding and putting together, you know, all the parts. um, What's your favorite part about that? What's your favorite part about the just the whole process of uh, putting these uh, robot kits together? I love the 3D printing process. I have a few 3D printers that I print the robots on. And so I design them on my computer, and then I 3D print them out with recycled plastic. And then I'm able to package them up right away and send them out in kits to go out to the students. And it's really exciting because I get to pick a bunch of different colors. Some of my robots are sparkly, some glow in the dark. 
I have a unicorn robot. I really like that. It's so to the kids. Right, right. Uh, is there um, a part of this process that is uh, maybe something you struggle with, or is there um, a project you're doing right now that is uh, uh, maybe pretty challenging for you? I think right now it's expanding and being able to meet the demand. We, I get people who approach me in person. I recently I got cornered by some teachers, and they wouldn't let me go until I agreed to give them robots. A lot of people <laughs> want robots. I can't supply all the demand. I wish I could, so I'm hopeful at some point to be able to expand my team size to make enough robots for as many people who want them. All right. All right. Um, so uh, if you had uh, the time and unlimited resources to make your dream robot, uh, what would this dream uh, robot do? So this is kind of funny. This isn't necessarily a robot. It's going more into car territory. Um, I like to have a little bit of distinction between the two. But um, I've been wanting to build a car couch for a really long time uh, just because I think it would be so exciting to roll up to, you know, a classroom or something with a car couch and getting the kids interested in driving around a couch. I think that would be fun. Those <laughs> exist, but I want one so bad. You have no idea. Um <laughs> There's also my favorite series on um, BBC, you can find it on YouTube, is the Spy Robot series, where they send in fake animal uh, mm -hmm. robots to, like, um, actual animal uh, communities. And mm -hmm. um, they have, like, snow monkeys, hippos, bears, everything. And um, I want to build some of those. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's absolute menace to society in the best way. I want to build those animal robots. I want to build, you know, I want to build crazy things. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, you guys uh, heard it here. If you see a crazy robot out there, you better, um, you know, look and see who the, the creator is. It might be Danielle Boyer. Um, so, uh, speaking of uh, teachers, I'd like to introduce a, another guest we have with us. Uh, joining us from Jackson, Mississippi, is Nate Rayner. He is the high school science teacher for Muscalero Apache Schools. Welcome to Native America Calling, Nate. Yes, uh, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you for joining all the way in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. What are you doing? What are you doing over there? That's a long way from uh, Muscalero here in uh, New Mexico. Oh uh, yeah, uh, well we we have um, a drone team. Actually, we had four, and two of them uh, made it to the national competition, which has been held in Jackson, Mississippi, this weekend. Uh, they just got finished the opening ceremony. And now they're at lunch and they start competition here in a minute, uh, probably at least 30 minutes. But, uh, yeah, we drove all the way from New Mexico to Jackson, Mississippi. So it was a fun drive with five students. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can imagine. You can imagine. Yeah, five <laughs> students. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I remember being a, a young student and, you know, any chance to go on a road trip or a field trip was, like, the best. <laughs> um, so, uh, Nate, uh, what, is a, what is a drone competition? Like, what, what are the students doing? Well, a drone competition, they have, they fly many, many, anyway, each year they change the, the competition. It's a different competition each year. This year is uh, we fly many drones. It's all indoors. 
and we move balls and they have to um, land their drone without being able to see the uh, landing pad. So they have to go off of uh, their teammate to direct them to a landing pad, which is a tall one and a short one. And they get a total of 60 minutes or 60 seconds to uh, um, to compete, and they uh, alliance with another uh, drone team from a different school, and they compete, and uh, whoever gets the highest points uh, uh, at the end of the competition uh, gets the uh, you know the the awards, and they also have judging uh, the judges go around, they do interviews, and all of these points are total at the end, and the kids get to. Uh, when we um, won a couple events, we won the Excellency Award, which is the top award for uh, this competition. Is the Excellency Award, which means they are in the top five percent of all of the drones that enter that day. Um, this weekend, we have 54 teams from from 14 different states here in Jackson competing. Wow. Wow, yeah. and um, I, I also wanted to introduce uh, Myra Mendez, also in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, with you guys. Uh, she's the elementary secretary for Muscalero Apache Schools. Uh, she's Muscalero Apache and uh, Grovand. Uh, welcome, Myra, to Native America Calling. Good morning or good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining. So, what's uh, what has it been like uh, traveling with the students and um, making sure they're they're all ready for their uh, gro- uh, drone competitions there? <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, I'm kind of like the mother hen. I go around, make sure they're up, ready. I make sure they have all the necessary needs they need to compete. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are some of the uh, most important things the students are learning in this competition and in uh, these uh, robotics and, and drone classes programs? I would say communication, mm-hmm. only because they have to be able to communicate with other students from other different states, especially when it gets to their alliance round. Okay. What What is that? alliance round so if they make it to the alliance round they have to choose another team they have to partner up with to make um certain points to move on to the next round okay all right uh let's go back to uh nate uh nate what are some of the uh important lessons uh the students are learning in this competition and also the robotics program at muscalero apache schools well, the biggest thing, and again, Myra mentioned it, was is communication, learning how to communicate with people you don't know. Um, so that's the biggest thing. The next thing is, you know, we um, they have to code their drones and their robots to uh, to compete, uh, like in the autonomous round, where all they have to the, the drones and the robots have to. Um, the program to move on its own without any connection, without any uh, uh, hands-on on the controls. Actually, they have to put the controllers down and use their program to move both the, to fly the drone as as well as move the uh, the robot from 
one spot to the other spot. So, uh, and they get big points for the autonomous. And uh, so one of the things is learning how to code. And uh, some of the uh, codes that our kids use, we try to import the some parts of the Apache language into their codes. So they know exactly that the culture means everything. We have to keep it alive. So and that's more of our high school kids. We have them uh, basically use the Apache language in some of their coding. Uh, elementary kids, we use what we call block uh, coding, where they just move blocks around to make the robot uh, move from one station to another station. So, so the biggest thing is, you know, it's not – Hard. I mean, we have uh, fourth graders that who can code uh, a lot better than some of our high school students. So we uh, just needed, you know, and that's one of the big things: communication and the willingness to want to work with other other uh, students or other schools. Wow! Wow! I mean, that's that's uh, definitely way more coding than I've ever done. <laughs> I've ever done. I don't think I've really been uh, so, so like interested in uh, coding, but it's a very important, um, it's a very important thing to, uh, you know, be uh, at least knowledgeable in these days. Uh, Nate, can you talk a little bit more about uh, the robotics program over at uh, the Apache schools there? Yeah, um, we um, have um, four, no, fifth grade through twelfth uh, grade robotics. This year we had uh, four uh, elementary, uh, four middle schoolers, and two high school robotics teams that competed uh, uh, most of the year or all year during our robotic season. And uh, we have a middle school team going to the world competition at the end of the month in Dallas, Texas. And Myra, she's taking the elementary kids to world um, the first part of May. And it's also been held in um, uh, Dallas. And at world, the kids are looking at working with teams from from all over the world, and some of these teams may not be able to speak English, so our kids got to learn how to communicate with a, with a team from China who doesn't speak a word of English. So uh, that's going to be very challenging for our kids uh, because uh, this is the furthest they ever been, and this is the second year that we have taken middle schools to world but it's our first year for elementary kids, and it's the same thing. I mean, in the elementary division alone, there's 872 teams going to Dallas uh, mm -hmm. to compete. Yeah. So it's 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 a challenge for uh, for us and for our students as well. But what Myra and I always tell the kids is, you know, um, we want you to to get a taste of what's out here off the reservation and then come back and take what you learn off the reservation and put it on the reservation and and talk about the, the what you did off the reservation and and uh, just from last year i think we gained about five teams in robotics right. and two teams in drones so it grows every year all right
Cool. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with uh, Nate Rayner and Myra Mendez uh, with um, some uh, drone teams in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. The Indian Arts and Crafts Act protects authentic American Indian and Alaska Native artists and craftspeople and their art and craftwork. Under the act, it is illegal to market art or craftwork misrepresented as American Indian, Indian, Native American, or Alaska Native made, or as the product of a particular Indian tribe. Reporting potential act violations can be done at doi.gov IACB or at 1-888-ART-FAKE. Support provided by Indian Arts and Crafts Board. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy, and we're talking about how robots are used as teaching tools for Native students. I'd like to go back to our guests over in uh, Jackson, Mississippi at the drone competition. We have uh, Nate Rayner and Myra Mendez. Uh, Myra, I would like to ask you about um, uh, setbacks. You know, when students are uh, building their their robots or they are, um, you know, uh, uh, flying their drones and maybe something doesn't work. How do you help the students uh, deal with uh, some of those uh, setbacks and frustrations? Well, um, say like if their drone needs a battery or um, they need their computer, then I would run and go get it. So then they can um, redo programming or change their batteries out. I'm kind of like the runner in between because they're not allowed to leave the field. Okay. And how do you talk to them about, or what kind of advice do you give them when they run into some of these obstacles? Just to never give up. I mean, like myself, I'm going for my master's degree. Um, I'm trying to show them that if I can do it at my age, then any can, anything can be done. No. Awesome. And uh, Nate, I'd like to ask you the same question. Well, I teach an um, engineering class in, at Mescalero, and in engineering class, there's a motto that if it doesn't break, then you did something wrong. Uh, so we, we teach them about failure and how to take failure not as a negative but as a positive. So if their drones or their robots is not working, uh, then let's go back to square one and and, and figure it out. Uh, we don't give up, like Maria has said, we don't give up because it doesn't work. And, and that's a hard lesson for elementary kids because they are not, uh, they don't know what failure is. And they think because it doesn't work, 
they did, you know, it, it's their fault. But we teach them that failure is okay. Uh, it's what you do after you fail. You know, if you give up because your robot won't do what you want it to do, then that's uh, that's okay. Let's go back and look at it and find out why and fix the problem. And so we don't get down on them because their robot fell. Uh, and same with the uh, um, drones. You know, if it doesn't do what you want it to do, well, let's look at your program. Maybe we need to tweak your program a little bit, and maybe you need to uh, add a little something to it. But don't look at failure as a defeat, but look at it as a challenge. And you can defeat that challenge if you continue to try because you're going to fail. Uh, and if they uh, know that failure is okay, then uh, we 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 done our, our job. Right, right. And uh, challenges on on your side as uh, a leader of the robotics program and the the drone programs there over at uh, Muscalero Apache Schools. Is it uh, pretty expensive to run these schools? And and what kind of challenges do you guys run into when uh, you're keeping these programs going? Our biggest challenge is funding. And and one of the things that um, our school board, they have found some funding for us for the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, our thing is we don't have any nearby local competitions. We either have to travel to Arizona, Texas, Colorado Springs, uh, just for competitions because we don't have that competition. And one of the things that we uh, are looking at is trying to get more native schools involved in our drone competition because we're the only drone team uh, in this uh, nationwide competition. We're the only um, indigenous school, and we wanted to see more. You know, in robotics, we get more and more in robotics, but in drones, uh, like I say, we went all the way to Houston, and we were the only native school there. We went to Colorado Springs. We were the only native school there. And for a while, we were the only uh, school in New Mexico uh, doing drones. And now there's only two schools in New Mexico that's doing drones. So we wanted to get the word out uh, that it's fun, and it's a, it's a good learning opportunity, too. Yes, it's there's grants out there that we apply for for um, um, robotics and for drones. Uh, when we first got started, we got a grant from NASA to uh, help us build the, uh, the um, they ordered the kit and the kids build the kit and program the kits. And I did a, some massive fundraising to, to get other stuff. So um, it's out there. It's just that you just got to search for, uh, the funding, and you guys got to have a dynamic school board that backs you. And we're lucky we got a school board that uh, really backs us. All right. Uh, Myra, what advice would you give to uh, other schools and folks on school boards about uh, setting up a robotics program, especially one in a native school? I would say to them that to sign up for STEM because STEM is an ever-growing field. I mean, if you look into the world out there, um, we're leaning more toward technology. 
so it would be nice for other Native schools to join STEM. Um, they can either contact me or Mr. Rayner, and we would be happy to help them start a robotics team. All right. And so why are these competitions important? I mean, you guys uh, named a couple of uh, uh, long road trips the students have been on just to compete. Why, why are these uh, important for the students to be involved in? It's like a learning experience for our kids. Yeah. Uh, Nate? I mean... Oh, go ahead, go, oh, ahead, go ahead, Myra. No, 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 go ahead. Okay, uh, Nate? Yeah, uh, you know, and then it's uh, preparing the students for uh, a technology world uh, because, you know, technology is, is where it's going to be at eventually. And STEM is, you know, every place we go to the ACES conference and uh, we uh, make sure our, our students talk to, like, the Sandia National Labs or the Los Alamo National Labs or Boeing Corporation, those people, are, and you know, they need to see people that look like them in these fields. And that's one of the reasons why we like to take them uh, different places. Like, we've been members of ACES for 13 years now, and I think we only missed one ACES conference, and that was because of COVID. So uh, it's very important for them to get out here and get involved in STEM because that's, that's no other words there, but that's where the money is, uh, uh, is in the uh, technology field. All right. Um, I'd like to go back to our guest, uh, Danielle Boyer, uh, robotics inventor and um, the leader behind the STEAM connection. Uh, Danielle, um, let's uh, build on this conversation about uh, getting involved in robotics and STEM and STEAM. Uh, wh why would it be important for young Native students to uh, go into this um you know, world of uh, technology and robotics? So I think there are so many opportunities within tech fields, but there's so many jobs. There's so many um, jobs from coding to even ones that you can have apprenticeship, apprenticeships in. So there's a lot of opportunities there. But outside of that, the tech skills that you learn as being part of a robotics team or even learning things on YouTube or reading textbooks or building things with your friends, those skills are so valuable because increasingly in our world, tech skills are needed. Coding skills are needed. When uh, you're trying to get hired, people are going to ask you if you have a website, if you have um, different examples of your work, things like that. So getting started sooner than later is really important. And to me, my goal is to equip students with the skills to be able to build solutions for our communities right now without ever having to leave the res, right? So that is my goal is to create inventors and, um, you know, solution builders. And so by having those skills and everything from 3D printing to coding, we can do a lot with that. We can create a lot of things. We can be hydroponics designers and be really cool farmers. We can design cool robots. There's so many skills that it applies to. We can do so many things. So that's my goal. 
And, uh, you know, a little while ago, we were talking about setbacks and dealing with uh, frustrations. I'm sure you've run into a lot of that. I mean, you were just describing uh, your um, uh, college experience. Uh, that was something that uh, was, uh, you know, kind of a setback for you. But, you know, you still have your, uh, the STEAM connection where you're just working full time, uh, pushing out all of these uh, really cool robots to uh, thousands of kids. But what advice would you give to folks who and young uh, people about uh, experiencing uh, setbacks in, uh, you know, just this uh, STEAM education? Setbacks are going to happen, especially because a lot of STEAM and STEM programs are within white institutions or white organizations, and they were not built for us. It is hard for us sometimes to thrive in those uh, situations, but that's not a reflection on us or our abilities. So find a support system. It may not be your family. They may not get what's going on. They may not understand tech, but it might be your friends or it might be people that you meet online or it might be mentors. Find those people who are going to support you and uplift you and understand where you're coming from because you're going to need that. It's going to not always be easy at times for me, I faced a lot of bullying and harassment. Even when I did do robotics in high school, I was stalked for a really long time. It was very, very hard. It's not a reflection on us. You have to keep pursuing what you love and know that there are people who are going to support you and believe in you and that when people don't, it doesn't mean to stop. Right, right. Um, I'd like to uh, go back to the folks over in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, Nate Rayner and Myra Mendez. Um, let's uh, start with Myra here. Uh, what are some of the favorite moments you have, uh, you know, teaching students uh, robotics and helping them with their projects and in, in these programs, Myra? There's so many memories too, even, I can't just mention, I can mention one, but there's, like I said, there's several. Um, what I like to do is I will even hold a wrench or a screwdriver or I'll be sawing the material that they need. So it's, for me, it's like helping them build their uh, robots or program their robots. Okay. Awesome. And uh, Nate, what about you? What are your uh, favorite uh, moments in uh, teaching these robotics programs and helping the students out? Well, it's, um, it's, it's the aha moments that you get from the kids when they when their robot do what it's supposed to do and they look at it and they have this look of, wow, I did it. You know, then it, it gets you, especially with our elementary kids. Uh, those kids are, you know, in competition and 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 they win and they like we won, we won, you know. So it's it's those moments when their light bulb uh, comes on and you get to see it in their eyes. And then I know that I've done the job, um, a good job, because they are having fun. Watching them have fun uh, at these competitions is. It, it's great for me. Just it's like my said. It's so many of them, and I've been doing this for. This is my twelfth year working with the robotic program in Mescalero. So, it's from the very first day 
to to now, and it's always going to be some aha moments when you look at it. Even if you don't win an award at a competition, but just to watch these kids compete and knowing that they can compete with people that don't look like them and hold their own, right. you know. Yeah. So that to me is is, is huge. Uh, you know, you've been doing this for 12 years. I'm I'm sure you've seen uh, some students go on to do some really cool things. I mean, have you seen students uh, go on to pursue a uh, maybe a degree in STEM? We have uh, several students that uh, went off to uh, um, college. Uh, actually, the very first student that asked me, uh, I used to coach basketball, girls basketball, when I first went to Mescalero and teach middle school science. And I had a middle school student ask me, I don't play football, I don't play basketball, what are you going to do for me? So I turned it on him and asked him, well, what do you want me to do? And out of the top of his head, he said robotics. And I think he just threw that out there, you know, not thinking. So I went home that night and I found the program VEX. And I wrote a grant and we got it. And he was in the seventh grade now. He is in college working on his uh, bachelor in uh, electrical engineering and a minor in mechanical engineer. And that was 12 years ago. And he is uh, well on his way of being a uh, top engineer in his field uh, at one of our, our state universities. And he also got the Bill Gates Award, I think, um, for education. So. When we yeah, see little ticks like that, I mean, this kid was, and he came back for one of our drone competitions and then became a judge <laughs> and talking to the kids about uh, his experiences working in the, uh, in college and nice. engineering program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, Nate, we're, we're running out of time here. Uh, we're going to wrap up in just a little bit, but um, where can folks find more information about uh, you guys' uh, robotics and dr- drone programs there at uh, Muscularo Apache? Well, you can go to our, our website, org. And it's, um, we, we post on there, or they can get in touch with me at, uh, or Myra at our email. We'd be more than happy to um, talk to anyone uh, about how to start a drone or robotics team. All right. MASchiefs.org, Muscalero Apache Schools uh, Chiefs. Okay. Um, uh, Danielle, really quick, uh, where can we find more information about you and your programs? Yeah, if people want to learn more about the robots or potentially get them for their own school, um, they can learn more at www.steamconnection.org. You can also find us um, under most social media uh, profiles under that name. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. That was uh, Danielle Boyer, uh, uh, Boyer and uh, Nate Rayner and Myra Mendez. We're starting another great week of shows on Monday with a discussion with the first Native American po- Poet Laureate for the state of North Dakota. I'm Andy Murphy. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Trauma touches nearly everyone. The Native American Social Work Studies Institute educates social workers for careers as a community health worker with culturally relevant training. Info at online.nmhu.edu. New Mexico Highlands University supports this show.
This Mother's Day, you can give all the mothers in your life truly unique gifts from SweetGrassTradingCo.com, a Ho-Chunk Inc. company, where you can choose from a variety of food, beauty, and wellness items from tribes across Turtle Island. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Yate, fresh spring air is good for kids, but playing outside also comes with stings, falls, bites, scrapes, and other challenges. Learn about injury prevention at insurekidsnow.gov. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.